It's around the whole idea of Christmas. But as we uh, talk about Christmas, we need to look at something else. Bear with me for one moment. I thought that we would look at this a little bit closer. So we will do an examination, okay? Because uh, I, I believe that everybody have to know the Christmas story. If not, you're gonna get sick of it by the time I finish. Because by the time I finish, then we'll, we should be all on the same page. And being on the same page goes along with our message title this morning. So, as we look at Mary and the baby, the message title is, Do You See What I See? You, you, you hear the songs, like, Do You See What I See? You know, and, I mean, this, and the song goes on, and we, we, we all like the good feelings of it. It's amazing. They do all of this, and then snap right after Christmas. Everything shuts down. They're looking for the Christmas sales. They're looking for, you know, all these other things that goes on. Isaiah 9:6. For to us a child is born. Read with me. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, see how each time you have an adjective describing, you know. It didn't just say this one thing. It, it goes on to say each one of those things. Wonder, he's a wonder of a counselor. When it seems like no one else understands you, go to the wonderful counselor. <laughs> he's a mighty God. He'll get the job done in your life. He's an everlasting Father. Whatever you need, he'll supply He's the Prince of Peace. He'll let your mind care whatever troubling you. Whatever my lot thou have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Well, in our introduction, picture in your mind, I'm going to picture in your mind a couple standing back to back, and they're looking at different pictures and trying to explain to one another what they were looking at. Sometimes when the couples come in for counseling, I have them uh, stand up. And uh, Karen uh, at one time had a picture of Sierra Leone, uh, the, the map of it and all of the different uh, African nations. And um, we praise the Lord for Edith. Um, those of us that might know Edith. Um, Edith gave it to us when she came from Sierra Leone. And uh, so we, we still, we put it in our dining room now, but it was at the table. So, we put that on one wall, and then we had another wall uh, where there was a woman who had her head wrapped and just a, a number of things going on. And so the couple had, their, they were back to back. And I said, now I want you to try to explain, because I know that they were not paying close attention to each one of the pictures when they came in. I said, explain to your maid what you see. And I said, don't try to look at the reflection off the glass either, okay. And, and so, so the person was trying to explain to the other person, and the other person was, and you can tell they were quite, weren't quite good at getting it by the expression on their face. Say, well, well it's, it's a map, and then you got these little figures on the map, 
little figures. He had little figures on the map, and, and, and it looked like a lot of people, and, uh, and, 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 and she went on and on. And then, and then says, okay, now you explain what you see. Say, well, I see this lady with this, this wrapping around her head, and then this bird going around over her head, and, and then she got a baby there. And, 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 said, and so both of them didn't, couldn't quite see the picture. So I said, now, I tell you what, why don't you turn around and look at what she's seeing? And so when, when the person turned around and said, oh, that's what you were talking about. I said, do you own here? I understand now. Now I understand what you meant by, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I said, now, now you turn around and look at what he was looking at. He said, oh, honey, that's a head wrap with such. And she, he said, oh, and that's, he said, oh, I didn't know what that was. But now, you see, they were both looking two different directions. They were both standing in the same spot looking two different ways. And they couldn't quite see it. And in our day and time, what happens is that we come to this whole idea of Christmas and we think about Jesus Christ in the manger and, and all of these other things. And, and they, got, they got so much information so mixed up, it's ridiculous. No three kings went in to see Jesus when he was a baby. Okay? He was not born in a manger. He was born and put in a manger. I mean, there's, there's so many different things. The angels didn't sing. They said, Okay? I mean, just all of these things. They, but laying that aside, we, we just want to go, go through because it's important to understand the last thing that I want to nail down to you by the end of the time I finish talking. So the aim is to enable us to be in, in agreement with and embrace the fact that the dynamics of the birth of Christ need to be received, believed, and lived out in the lives of the saints of God. What Jesus Christ did there. And what happened with the, the virgin, at the virgin birth, the, the, birth uh, the childbirth there of a virgin, and what happened at the cross of Calvary doesn't stop there. Then what's happening in our life, they're all connected. If Jesus was not born, you would not be sitting here right now. Amen? The reason that he, we are sitting here is because a virgin... And the Bible says her seed, a woman does not have a seed. Men have seed. But when, see, but God, is anything too hard for God? <laughs> see, and so it was the Holy Spirit that brought this whole thing about. Man, it's too mystical for me. Well, that's, God don't care whether you, it's too mystical for you. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways. Especially when our salvation and our eternity is at stake. So let us consider a few snapshots about God that keeps the birth of Christ in perspective. Here's our line. Number one, he always predicts the inevitable. Two, he is a promise keeper. He's a what? God is a promise. Even when you don't see him acting when he's supposed to be acting on your clock, he's a promise keeper. When he's acting too slow on your part, you just keep saying to yourself, my God. Be persistent and keep saying, my God is a promise keeper. Just, let's, let's practice it. Ready? My God is a promise keeper. One more time. My God is a promise. Now, let's honor the Lord. Let's say that to the Lord. Lord, Lord, you are a promise keeper. 
You're a promise keeper. I don't care how dark it gets, how impossible it might be, he's a promise keeper. I don't care what people do, what people say, I don't care what their positions are, has nothing to do with him being a promise keeper. <laughs> so get your eyes off of the person who thinks they, they're doing a little something, something, okay? Okay, next, uh, what's the last one there? Number three, he purposes so that we may embrace it as our reality of who we are in Christ. He, he, he made, see, all of this that's happening makes our reality real. It's, it's called a fact check. How do I know that Jesus is not just another man? Okay. Whenever a person makes a claim, then the facts should make up their, make up their, back up their claim. That's why I always tell you three questions you always ask when a person makes an emphatic statement. One, why did you say it? Two, what is your burden of proof? And three, how does it apply to me? And if it doesn't fit, you must, you must acquit. Okay? Right. So, we go to the first one. He always predicts the inevitable. And we go back to the scripture. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I, I, I woke up, what was it, night before last, last night, I was, all my different dreams. But one of my dreams, we, uh, we, we, the whole idea was this. We yet we are yet working on, we're working with the whole idea of worshiping God and praising God. There's a difference between worship and praise. We're going to be breaking that out uh, later on up the road. Because, you see, when it's a lot of times we don't really praise God. That's why when a comedian, if a comedian gets up and you don't laugh at his jokes, Oh, regardless of what you say, he's a nice guy. If you don't laugh at his jokes, he don't feel that he's, you see what I'm saying? So then, but, but, but if you're laughing at his jokes, and oh, you're so funny. No, he's, <laughs> I must be a good comedian. Listen to these folks laugh at me. Why? Because you're praising him. The scripture says God inhabits the praise of the saints. So God now began to work on how I'm going to get this together so I have folks to start praising me. Worship and praising me. Notice the absolutes of the verse. A child is born. To a son is given. Now, there's a difference between a child and a son. See, the child is born when we think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then a son came through the lineage it validates his position you see first a child is given and then now a son is born son of man son of son of son of but he had to be a child that's born these two these two are two different entities that's why it makes it very clear one god makes it possible and then he came through man See, unto us a child is born but it's a son that's given 
He says, I need you to understand that. It has to be very clear. Then he says this, the government shall be. That's the, the uniqueness about Jesus Christ is that the government, it didn't say it might be. You see how the definite's there? What's that word? Shall be. He didn't say could be, might be, hope to be, shall be. When God is in this, whenever God is somewhere in your life, you can rest assured if he says this is going to happen, bank on it. Because each time, he's going to have a definite word. That's why when you look at commercials, and I tell Karen, listen to this commercial. And they'll talk about this particular medicine and everything else, and that it may, or listen to the may, might, okay, could. But they, but they will not put themselves out and say it will. Why? Because that put that they could be sued if it doesn't. So God says, then look at my verbs. Check my verbs out. <laughs> See, the first thing is present perfect tense. He is. Okay? And then the next thing is he shall be. The next thing, his name shall be. Now, what his, na what his name shall be? His name, sh he shall be wonderful, constant, almighty God. So, so it shall be. You can, you can nail it. The next thing is the accuracy of the Lord's predictions are based on the fact that he preordained it. How do I know? How do I know that it's true? God says, because I, I put it in place. I ordained it. Everything God does is right and, and, and perfect, right? God says, I ordained this thing to happen. When did he ordain it? Before the foundations of the world, God chose you in the beloved. How do I know that? Look at Jesus. Because this Jesus, God promised, God made a promise that this child would be born. And so if God promised and he promised that it was going to be born, then when Jesus Christ was born, God says, boom, here it is. Here's my burden of proof. The next thing is, only did he ordained it, he placed his reputation and name on the inevitable outcome. God put the inevitable outcome of it. He says, I put my name and my reputation on the fact that it will be right. You never have to worry about it going wrong. Trust me on this. Do you see what I see? So far, uh, do we have uh, any disagreements on it? Are we still on the same page? Everybody's on the same page here so far. I have to start beginning to lay this out because it's important that, we under, that we're all on the same page as I lay this out about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are something that's simple. Things that we say, well, <laughs> I know this. I learned in Sunday school. They brainwashed me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, go on to the next point. Okay, good. I want to make sure that we're on, on target. He cannot lie. The accuracy of God's prediction is that God cannot lie. He says, God is not a man that he should lie. Why should God have to lie to us anyway? <laughs> he's, he's feeding us. He's keeping us. He's going to give us eternity. Why does God need to lie to us? Why are we so important that God needs to go against who he is in order to lie to us? God does not have to lie to you. So when you see scriptures, when you read scripture, what God has to say to you, obey it. And God says, I'm going to keep my word. And even when you don't keep your word, God keeps his. He's a promise keeper. He won't lie. Okay. 
So that's why we come to the next thing. He's a what? He's a promise keeper. Now, this, we have some reading to go on in here. It says, and in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that uh, Quirinius was a governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each uh, to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the, of the house, the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. See, wrapped and laid him in a manger. He wasn't born in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds in the field keeping a watch over their flock by night. All of us, we know all this, don't we? Stay with me. And the angels of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angels said to them, Fear not, for the, behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will, be, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Or other passages of scripture, peace among men. When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. All of us know the story. Do you see what I see? Stay with me. He provided all that was needed to present the Savior to the world. Let's list it. First, taxation. First, taxation, even the sinners would tell you that something happened during that period. That established a time period. It says, the taxation established the time and birthplace of the Messiah. Mary had to go to Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem means really, Bethlehem means the house of bread. Bethlehem, Judah, which means praise. He had to go back to Bethlehem. So he had to go back to Bethlehem to be born. Now, this, so the taxation put them back there. God used even the unsaved to accomplish his purpose. Listen, whatever God has for you, don't worry about what unsaved person think they're in control. He'll use even the un unsaved to accomplish your purpose, the purpose for you. So just hang on to God. That's so important. The next thing, Mary and Joseph validating the parental and legitimacy of his birth and lineage of David. The next thing that God used was not only a place, then he used the people, Mary and Joseph. In Joseph's lineage, the kingship was, uh, was invalid. They lost 
up the, he messed up the, the lineage there. Therefore, Christ could not come through Joseph. Therefore, Joseph married Mary, but both of them are under David. So then when you do David, then they both are uh, getting married. Guess what? Jesus come to the lineage of Mary. And so the whole idea now is that if you want to look at his lineage, you know, all the time they talk about President Obama and his, and his birthright and all these other things. People are going to challenge, where did he come from? Okay. God said, I got that covered. No. Well, what about his parents? Well, man, I got that covered. You see? Each time God was, God was covering each one of those areas where God says, I'm going to make it so. If I planned it, I'm going to make it so. Here's the next one. Angels announcing the spiritual ramification of the long-awaited Messiah. It was a spiritual thing. What was happening was that at the, that black Judean night, one of the worst parts of history, Rome, Rome was in complete control. The, the Jews, it seemed like one of the darkest parts of history. Shepherds in the field, and all of a sudden, that, that black Judean night, the sky burst open with a first angel appear and talked about, I got news for you. Good news. What everybody else was looking for, he's here. <laughs> And he started talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then here these poor shepherds, and these poor shepherds are sitting there. At first, they're scared to death. Because, you see, if you saw an angel, you know, you didn't know whether it was um, um, a Michael. If, you, if it was a Michael, that means you're dead. Gable means, you no, know, I, I, I come to give you some, some news. Michael means, man, I'm not here even to talk to you. You're dead. <laughs> so, so here, so here an angel appeared, and these guys said, uh-oh. You know, it's all and he says, fear not. Don't, don't be afraid. Whenever you're in God's plan, whenever things happen in your life, God says, the first thing I want you to do, don't fear. The worst thing you can do is fear. The moment you start fearing, you start losing your perspective. You start losing your trust. You take your eyes off of God and look at your circumstances. And so the first angel, the angel sets the stage and says, don't fear. I'm not here to take you out. Okay. Now, these shepherds, these shepherds, these guys, they're not theologians. They have not been to the temple. These guys are shepherds. They, they're raising sheep that's for the temple, uh, uh, for temple worship and everything else. The sheep have to be perfect in order for worship. And so they're out there, and all of a sudden, something like this comes up, and the angels make this appearance. The Lord says, I'm going to make it a supernatural thing. I'm going to make it a, I'll make sure that it's in the books. I'm going to make sure that it's through people and the lineage that I've set up. Let me tell you something about Mary and Joseph. Their lineage was still, there was a bunch of messed up people through the whole lineage of Mary and Joseph. Prostitutes, messed up kings. I mean, you're talking about dysfunctional people. But God always makes something out of nothing. I don't care how bad it gets. God says, just turn it over to me, and I'll make something out of nothing. Prostitutes, Rahab, Tamar, I mean, all of them were all in the list. And God made something out of nothing. And then the angel shows up. Then the shepherds being established as witnesses and proclaimers of the validity of the moment. Then he takes up some, some poor shepherds, the guys who are just out there, no class, looked at like 
the city, quote, garbage men taking the garbage, no standing, who cares about them? And here they go to the stable. And they're laying in a manger, feed trough. It's the savior of the world that Israel had been looking for for hundreds of years. Their eyes are beholding, holding it. They got two pictures right now that's blowing them away. The first one was, we were out here taking care of our sheep. Then this angel showed up, blew our mind. Then they put on a show. You know, Glory to God in the highest. The boy, it was beautiful. It blew our mind. And I mean, we, we just, we just, all we did was just sit there and listen. And then after they finished, they fasted, they, they showed up, poof, they disappeared. And then I, we said, well, let's, they left their sheep. Now, they're responsible. They left their sheep, went and found the baby Jesus. And then guess what they did after that? They didn't go back to their sheep. They went throughout witnessing and telling others, oh, I found, we, we, the Messiah was born. And they were trying to tell them the story about Jesus. And the, in, whenever you have an encounter with Jesus, somehow you should not be able to hold it down. I don't care who you're around or who you're with. Educated folks need to know Jesus. Because it's not how smart you are, it's how spiritual you are. Everybody needs to know Jesus. And these guys, because of their encounter, they went forth. Do you see what I see? And through all of this, Taxation, Mary and Joseph, the angels, the shepherds. The last thing is he purposed it so that we may embrace it as our reality of who we are in Christ. We, we come down then to something I think is very, uh, very important. Considering the truth of the word of God, three questions need to be settled in our heart once and for all. Are you ready for the three questions? Question number one. Do I really believe what I heard and read for myself? Not, see, I heard it. The thing is now, do you really believe that? Angels showing up. Angels saying glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, good will to men. A baby born of a virgin and no man was involved. The proof that you have is a shepherd's going around saying, we saw the whole thing, and they're not around anymore. Do you believe that? And you can only find, find it in, quote, the Bible, per se, although you have some writings, but you have it, but basically the Bible says, do you believe that? This little song says, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the what? Bible tells me so. How much do you need to really believe? Okay, here's the, here's the next question there. Today, do I truly believe that God is still a promise keeper? Do you believe that God is a promise keeper? 
then I want you to go over your own personal list and list what you feel that God has promised you that has yet come to pass. And do you believe that the same God who kept his promise about Jesus will keep his promise about you? Then quit celebrating Christmas then. You don't believe God. You're a hypocrite. You're saying, I, I celebrate Jesus, but I don't believe that God can work this out in my life. You see what I'm saying? That, that, that's, what are you saying here? God is saying, don't be half and half. Either you believe me about this, then believe me about your life. Believe me about the things that are happening in your life. Believe me that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe that? I will supply your needs according to, to my riches and glory. Do you believe that? I'll never forsake you. Do you believe that? Then celebrating Christmas on a Sunday or a Saturday really doesn't matter because you don't believe it in the first place. You just fall in tradition. But when it comes down to everyday living, you really don't believe it. So I can talk for another hour. And you read over and go over the point. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Do you see what I see? I see. But the question is, do you really believe it? Third question. Are there any hesitations in my responding to his call on my life? Are there, there are areas in my life that I still Hesitate. I, I want to. I, I kind of put that out there, and I just, as we wrap things up here this morning, I just want to say, are there any areas I'm still hesitating? Um, because any, let's let's slip your hand up. Say, I'm, I'm still hesitating. I mean, you know, you know, in your heart, there's sometimes wherever you are, the areas that I'm still hesitating. Or are you, are you that individual that have reached the class where Jesus go with me, I'll go anywhere? Or are you the person who says, where are you going, Lord? <laughs> How long will it take? <laughs> will I get hurt? <laughs> How much is it going to cost? What am I going to lose? What am I going to give up? Let me see just a little bit to see if I'm going to be encouraged in the way. And the Lord said, don't you believe I'm a promise keeper? Don't you believe that I can show up in your darkest moments like an angel? Don't you believe that I can do things that no other man can do? Then why are you celebrating Christmas when you don't even believe me? Oh, I see. You bought into the commercialism of Christmas. And you know what? One of the things that really breaks God's heart is that hundreds of saints will like the lights and the celebrations and all these other things. And God doesn't look at them 
physically he looks right at their right down at their hearts and know even before they even walk out of that room that they don't believe it. God's biggest job is not fighting Satan. He already told Satan what's going to happen. Do you know the demons believe him? And they tremble. One of them said to Jesus, you come to torment us before our time? They know God is a promise keeper. I'm, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you be tormented forever and ever. So the demons believe it. And we who are saved, we whom God have gone through all of this, he have laid it out, and this child grows up under so much hostility and goes to the cross of Calvary, and he's a mass of bloody flesh, and he dies, and he, he rises again, and he, he makes himself possible, and then he sends the Holy Spirit to guide us and be our comforter, and, and whatever prayer that you can't get through, the Holy Spirit will transport uh, for, for you and everything else, and guess what? The thing that breaks God's heart is not Satan, not the world. He's still dealing with the church. He dealt with, the, it, with Israel in the Old Testament, and he's dealing with the church in the New Testament. He's dealing with the, oh, the, the uh, Israelites under the law, and now he's dealing with us under grace. grace. And we're dealing with the same problem. Mary, Martha, do you believe it's all this? Or Mary, do you believe it's all this? Oh, oh I know, my Martha said, Martha, Martha, Martha said, Lord, I, I know, I know there's a resurrection and he, he'll be raised from the dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am the resurrection. I know what you're going through, but I, I'm it. What you see lying there, I'm going to get him up. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Do you believe that? Do you see what I see, Martha? He said, yes, Lord. Then the last question that wraps it up is this. Why? Why is it that we hesitate? Why is it that we don't wholeheartedly put it all on the altar? For the Lord. Why? Why? What else is it that God has to do? He's not going to write any more to the Bible. Nobody else going to come and die for you. <laughs> so, so what is it that God has to do? And you get to the point... Where you're like the man whose son was been tormented by demons. And, and he said, he was honest with the Lord. He said, the Lord says, do you believe this? He said, Lord, I believe. But he got honest. He said, I believe you can do this. But help. Says, Something is keeping me from believing you all the way. I see what you're able to do, and I'm, I'm, I, can, I can do this, but something is holding me back. And he said, 
he went to the only person. He said, Lord, not the disciples. He went to the Lord, Lord, help thou my unbelief. And this morning, he said, Lord, I have hesitations in my life. I should be, should be far and far ahead than where I should be right now and walking with the Lord, and I'm not. I'm still struggling with things. I'm still, I'm not where I should be. I believe, Lord, I see what you want me to see. Now help my unbelief. So that when I celebrate every year the appearance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the form of a babe, I can rejoice and be encouraged. And as we close this morning, if God has been speaking to your heart, you can say to the Lord, Lord, I believe, but help my hesitation. If you if you have areas in your life where you're still hesitating, I would like to pray for you right now. I don't need to be talking another five minutes. You know exactly where you are. The Lord's been speaking to you. You know exactly what it is. And uh, the Lord's, you know what? The reason the blind man Bartimaeus, the reason that Jesus stopped was that he cried out. I don't know how many blind people he walked past, but when Bartimaeus found out, no, who's coming by? Jesus. People told him to shut up. He said, uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, that's Jesus. Watch this. You think I was shouting too loud? Watch this. Watch this. Jesus! There's a time when you need to nail it for yourself and forget about what other folks think. Just for you and the Lord. And say, Lord, this Christmas, I want to celebrate you from the bottom of my heart. Praise God for each one of you. And let's bow. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for what you're going to do in and through each one of their lives. We have read the story. We know the story. We know that it was only another phase of what was going to happen because from the cradle to the cross, and then from the cross to the crown where they will crown you Lord of Lords, that was part of the process. Thank you for including us, Lord. But in that inclusion, in everyday living and trusting you with everything, Lord, there's a point where we hesitate. And Lord, I know that you just take a deep breath and try to assure us that it's okay. Your amazing grace gives room, especially for those who are yours. I thank you for those who are standing. Strengthen them, empower them to take the next step. And then for those who do not know Christ as their Savior, I, I pray right now, Lord, I, I pray that they believe that you actually came 
The facts are there. And that you died on the cross of Calvary, the facts are there. And that you died for their sins, the facts are there. For if they don't, they, if they will not, then they will suffer the eternal flames and your wrath forever along with Satan and his demons. I pray that individuals will accept your love and your grace by admitting they're a sinner and that they can't save themselves. And ask that Lord save me right now. I believe that you die for my sins. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. May this day forward unveil the deep sincerity of our commitment. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen.